Welcome to the radio program, Why Paul? Bringing and interpreting the doctrine Jesus Christ presented through the Apostle Paul. Your hosts are Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton of 14th Street Ministries. We are here to bring you the answers found in 2 Timothy, verse 2, and encourage you to teach and share this program with others. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton. Uh, welcome. Uh, welcome this week, and we're also welcoming a guest here. I am your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. And I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And today we'd like to uh, introduce um, our guest, and we're privileged to have, is uh, David Reed. Michelle, would you like to give some information on David? Sure. Uh, so, um, uh, thank you for joining us today, uh, David. Uh, Pleasure. Uh, David Reed, he does lead um, the Columbus Bible Church, uh, which is uh, located in Columbus, Ohio. Um, And before planting that Columbus Bible Church, um, David, you planted um, and led the Mid-Axe Grace Fellowship, um, which was, what was it, Miami Valley Bible Church in Beaver Creek? Yeah, now it was Miami Valley Bible Church, that's right. Okay. And um, you're also the author of Are There Contradictions in the Bible? Questions and Answers on Dispensationalism. Uh, a long word. Um, and I believe I read that. Um, so, well done. <laughs> yeah. I like those. Um, I lo- like those questions and those answers. Um, I have read through those. And um, you're the founder of Mid-Acts Tracks, a gospel track publishing ministry. Uh, you also frequent uh, conference speakers, um, the, uh, you hosted Grace Alternative Radio Program, and you do the online live stream Bible question and answer program. So we do um, appreciate you joining us. You also hold a bachelor's in arts and economics from Stanford University, uh, a juris doctor from Duke University, a master of laws and taxation in New York, and a master of business administration from Fisher College. Um, of business in the Ohio State University, and you're a graduate of Grace School of the Bible um, from Chicago, Illinois, and you do reside with your your wife, Stephanie, and you have four children in Columbus, so thank you for that's, joining us. That's right. Thank, thank you for that kind introduction. You've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the four children keep me busy, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's open in prayer. Um, Father, we thank you uh, for this privilege uh, to present your word to the world, to this, uh, to the listeners of this program. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we ask that you give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding and that we're able to pass it on uh, through the listeners. We come to you and we love you and we need you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, so today, um, since, you know, we have um, David here, um, we're, we have some questions. Um, uh, Pam's always our great one to do our second segment of having a question. Uh, but today we're going to focus all on questions. And let's see, who do we get to answer the questions? David, since you're our guest, yes. answer the questions. Okay. We're going to put him to work. Yes. I'll do the best I can. Okay. <laughs> so go ahead. You got the first question, uh, Pamela? Hey, Pamela. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. I hear you great. Yeah, okay, because my mic went off. Okay, well, the first question of this week is, how do I know if I've done enough works to be saved? Great question. 
So I, I will tell you this about witnessing to folks. Um, I've done a little bit of this. And, and what I find is people often are scared to witness to other people. And one of the reasons they're scared is they're scared that someone will ask them a question and they won't know how to answer it. Mm-hmm. And what I'll tell you is this, having witnessed to several, you don't get nearly as many objections as you think. But the biggest one you get is exactly what Pamela just read to us. The biggest objection that people have to the gospel is it can't be that easy. It can't be that simple. There has to be something that I have to do. But let's look at what the scriptures say. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace, grace is unmerited, unearned favor. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I'm going to go over that verse, those two verses again, and I'm going to try to count with my fingers, but I, I just want you to notice how many times those two verses tell you that salvation has nothing to do with works. For by grace, well, grace isn't works because grace is unmerited favor. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith isn't a work. Faith is believing something. You don't have to move any muscles to have faith. You just have to believe in your inner man. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So it's not your resume. It's not your achievements. It's not whatever accomplishments you may have done. It's none of that because it's not of yourselves. It then says, it is the gift of God. And I'm going to run out of fingers, but it is the gift of God. Well, you don't work for a gift. It's something you're given regardless of, you you don't earn it. Someone just gives it to you. It is the gift of God. And then verse nine says, not of works, lest any man should boast. So what what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is saying is that salvation is, is by grace. It has nothing to do with works. And the way that you obtain it is you have faith. You believe something. I want to show you another verse. Look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. And what it says is, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So what role do our works of righteousness play in our salvation? None, because it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. And so here's the truth that is hard for people to embrace. The way the world system works, the way that typically your job works, is what have you done for me? And what's the next word? We all know it. Lately. In other words, You have to continue to perform Mm -hmm. to stay in good favor. That's the way the world works. But that's not the way God's grace works. God's grace works on the the basis of here is a completely, entirely free gift. I just need you to believe. And we're going to talk about what you need to believe in just a second. Look with me at Romans 11, verse 6. Romans 11, 6 is... uh, it's something of a, a tongue twister, if you will. Do you remember the child, you know, Sally sells seashells by the seashore, and <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a way to teach children how to articulate? Well, Romans eleven six is a little bit that way, but it's, it's very profound. And if by grace, then is it no more of works? 
Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What Romans eleven six is saying clearly is this. Grace and works are different. They're not, you can't mix them. They, they don't mix because if it's by grace, then it's not of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it's of works, then it's not grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. And the reason I say that is this. What people tend to think is they tend to think, well, God saves by grace, but there has to be something that I have to do. God saves by grace, but, but I have to live it. God saves by grace, but I have to keep the law. God saves by grace, but I have to get water baptized, but I have to tithe, but I have to keep the commandments, you know, whatever it is. But what they're doing when they say that is they're looking at grace and they're saying, there's got to be something for me to do. It, it can't be as simple. It can't be as pure as it's grace alone. But that is, in fact, what the scriptures are clearly saying, because we've seen multiple verses that tell us that salvation is not of works. So look with me then at 1 Corinthians 15. So we've talked about grace. We've talked about being uh, saved through faith. But what is it that we have to believe? And scripture tells us exactly what that is. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, and by the way, I'll just mention this. Paul says in verse 1, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. The word gospel means good news. So Paul tells us what the, the good news is, and he lays it out in verse 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It's, it's that simple. It's not more complicated than that. Now, what's fascinating when you read that is that it doesn't say anything in there about anything that you or I do. It doesn't say anything about church membership. It doesn't say anything about tithing. It doesn't say anything about water baptism. It doesn't say anything about keeping the commandments. The good news is Christ did it all for us. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. So the good news is 100% what Jesus Christ did for us. Romans 3.25 describes it this way, faith in his blood. So in other words, you're saved today by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and it is that, that simple. It is that pure. All that you need to do is you need to, in your, your inner man, you need to believe that Christ paid the penalty for your sins, that he shed his blood for your sins. The moment you believe that, God saves you forever. Now, look with me at Ephesians 1. So we've covered there the gospel. In other words, if you believe Christ died for your sins, if you believe that he shed his blood for your sins, you're saved. The moment you trust his blood payment for your sins, God saves you. But, but I, I now want to sort of move to the next step, and I want to give you some assurance, because here's what happens. Someone will believe the gospel, and the next day, they'll do something they know they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. That happens, right? Mm -hmm. And do saved people ever have thoughts, or do they ever have words they say that they regret? And the answer to that is, it happens, and we all do. I want to show you that your salvation is maintained by the Holy Spirit, and your salvation is not maintained because you always do the right thing. Put another way, if my salvation was on the basis of me always doing the right thing, you know, I just quit, right? I mean, I'm not going to, I don't. 
and I, I know myself and I recognize that my sin nature is such that I'm not going to, in this life, I'm not going to achieve perfection. But here's the good news. Look at Ephesians 1.13. In whom, that's a reference to Jesus Christ, ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, notice, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. See, this is powerful. What happens when you believe the gospel is the Holy Spirit seals you. And that means that your salvation is not maintained because every day on a daily basis, you always do the right thing. It's maintained on the basis of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is 100% faithful, 100% capable. If the Holy Spirit seals something, it's sealed. No one can do mm-hmm. a thing about it, including Satan and including you and including me, right? If, if, if the Holy Spirit seals someone, they're sealed. And then it says, verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. What an earnest is, is it's a down payment. It, it, it's, it's a show of good faith for future performance. A lot of times what happens if you're buying something expensive, you'll put down earnest money or a down payment as a guarantee that you're going to complete the transaction. Well, imagine this. If God gave you the Holy Spirit as an earnest, is God the Father going to say, well, I saved Dave Reed originally, but I had no idea how horrible he really was. And even though I gave him the Holy Spirit, I've decided he doesn't deserve the Holy Spirit. And so I'm taking it back and I'm done with him. Do you realize how crazy that is to say that? I mean, God has perfect knowledge. At the moment he saves anyone, he knows exactly what they are. When he gave them the Holy Spirit as an earnest, as a guarantee of what he was going to do in the future, it was 100% going to happen. So hopefully what that gives you is is that gives you a confidence that I am by grace through faith. Uh, It happens in an instant, in a moment when I believe the gospel, and I cannot lose it because the Holy Spirit seals me. And it it seals us, according to Ephesians 4, verse 30, unto the day of redemption. And what that means is that we cannot lose it. Now, get with me 1 Corinthians 3. And there's one more section I want to cover on this um, that I hope will be helpful to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. And what 1 Corinthians 3 does is it helps us with the following problem. Many people will say this, you say that you're saved by grace and that you don't have to do any works. So what you're really saying is this, you can go rob a bank, you can live like the devil, you can have a horrible life and God will still save you. And what we're saying is he will still save you, but there are consequences. Not loss of salvation, but loss of reward. First mm-hmm. Corinthians 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the foundation is Christ. Paul laid that foundation. There's no other foundation that can be built upon. Verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So as saved people, we get to decide how we build on the foundation of Christ. We can use gold, silver, precious stones. We can use wood, hay, and stubble, but it's going to be tested by fire. And of course, we know what happens if you build with wood, hay, and stubble. 
fire will destroy it. If you build Mm -hmm. with gold, silver, precious stones, fire won't harm it. So now look at verse 14. If any man's work abides, in other words, it survives the fire. And by the way, the fire in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 13, I believe is a reference to God's word. God describes his word in Jeremiah as a a fire. And so I believe that this test is God's word. So verse 14, if any man's work abides, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So so that's a saved person who then, in addition to being saved, receives a reward. Now, notice verse 15. And verse 15 is one of the most powerful eternal security verses in the Bible. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. It doesn't say loss of salvation. The loss there is the loss of reward in verse 14. The reason I know that, look at verse 15, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. So here's what this means, friends. You're saved in an instant the moment you believe the gospel. The moment you believe Christ died for your sins, you're eternally saved forever. The moment you have faith in his blood. Does that mean go live like a bozo? Does that mean walk in sin? No, it doesn't mean walk in sin. Ephesians 2.10 says we're created unto good works. So what we should do then is we should then live out the rest of our lives building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ with gold, silver, precious stones. That's what we need to do. Now, I hope that gives everyone clarity about the gospel. And then what happens, I, unfortunately, I've found in, in any audience of any size, there's almost always someone that hasn't believed the gospel. I, I wish that wasn't the case, but that seems to be often the case. So if you've never heard this before, you've never believed the gospel before, I'd encourage you to, to trust Christ, shed blood as the payment for your sins today. I, I wouldn't delay. Um, people get in car accidents. A lot of weird things happen, right? People have heart attacks. So when you hear the gospel, believe it, right? Christ died for your sins. You can believe that right now. I know, I know Michael, I gave you a, a real long answer there. Um, I got carried away, I suppose, but That's I wanted it to, to be complete. Yeah, those oh, uh, verses are powerful and, yeah. um, and they give you uh, uh, encouragement and strength and uh, liberty and freedom that maybe mm-hmm. a person hadn't had before. And um, and definitely, um, you know, that really brought it into clarity. And definitely using, you know, those scriptures that you brought up really helps us put that into focus um, to, you know, believe um, on that. Now, I do have a question, and I'm going to ask uh, my question when we come back from break. And appreciate all of our um, listeners uh, there on Facebook. Look like somebody's from Ontario, Canada there in Facebook. Uh, so we'll be right back after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. 
hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to michael r mix at 14th street ministries.com now back to why paul uh, welcome back, um, everyone. And again, we have our uh, special guest with us, uh, David Reed. Um, I am your host, Michelle Mix. I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. And I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And we are answering questions that we gave to our guest. So he gets to answer the questions, we get to ask them. Um, so, David, um, that was um, um you know, it really gave us good information from your last question. Now, um, I do have a question that comes in and, you know, it does um, a lot. This is what you do also hear a lot um, because we all go through our different days uh, emotion-wise. But um, some people say, well, why don't I feel saved? Yeah, they do. Um, And what happens with a a lot of life is that we often go by our emotions as to how we we feel about things. It's it's a basis many people use for making judgments. But uh, let's let's think about this scripturally if we could. So look me at Romans 10, 17. Romans chapter 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, it's fascinating if you put those two halves of the verse together. So, faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. What that then means is that all true faith comes from the Word of God. The, the reason I mention that is what, what happens so often today is people say, I, I'm going to step out in faith and do X. And wh- I'll give you an example of some things that I've seen. I've seen people say, well, we don't have money for this building. We don't know where we're going to get it. But what we're going to do is we're going to step out in faith, and mm-hmm. God's going to provide it. Well, be, be thoughtful about things, right? I mean, the Bible has some things to say about debt and, and so on. And, and what they're really doing is when you really do things by faith, you do them on the authority of a verse. It's not something you just feel. It's not a sentiment that you have. It's on the basis of a verse. Look with me, if you would, at uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 9, um, if you want to turn there. And I'll, I'll introduce the, 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 what I'm about to say this way. We've all had the experience of watching a movie or reading a story, and you feel some sort of emotion, 
So I'll give you the example that comes to my mind. Let's say you're watching a movie that has a scary scene and one of the characters on the screen is in danger and the music comes on, right? And you can feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And what's happening is to watch any movie or read any book, you have to suspend your disbelief, right? You have to pretend it's real. You know, of course, when you watch a movie, it's Mm -hmm. not real, but for the moment you engage with it, right? So you suspend your disbelief and you operate as if these things are real facts. Well, notice what happens. When you suspend your disbelief, you feel real emotion, right? You, you can feel nervousness. You can feel fear. You can feel the, the tension. Your, your pulse can quicken. And what that tells you is this. You feel that physiologically, emotionally, but it's not real. It's a movie. What does that tell you about your emotions? Mm-hmm. Your emotions can't distinguish between truth and error. And, and, and so what's so crazy is what people do is they go through life And they make decisions on the basis of emotion, but you know that emotion, just from that simple example, can't tell you what's true. So now look at what Jeremiah 17.9 says. The heart is deceitful above all things. Now, people don't like that verse because what they want to say is, well, I'm I'm basically a a good person. I have a good heart. I'm sorry to tell you this, but no, you don't. The, your, your sinful flesh is, is really not any good. We like to think of our, ourselves as mostly good people, but the Bible says for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. And um, they've all gone astray. It, it, it's, the, the bottom line about human nature is that it's not good. What Jeremiah 17, 9 tells you about your own heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, what that says to me is this, as I'm having to make decisions in life about things, do I want to go simply by what my heart says? Has my heart in the past told me things that weren't true? I mean, think of it this way. Have you ever had a real strong desire to do something that you really, you know, you shouldn't do? You've had that and your heart has desired things like that. And what that tells you is it tells you the folly. It tells you the mistake of saying, I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to determine truth on the basis of my heart. Don't do it on the basis of your heart. Do it on the basis of God's word, because God's word is true. My point being this, when people say they don't feel saved, well, you're operating on the basis of subjectivity. You're operating Mm -hmm. on the basis of emotion. You're operating on the basis of what you feel. But we both know that feelings come and go. We need to depend upon something that is unchangeable, and that is always true, which is why we look to God's word. Turn with me, if you would. Look with me at Second Peter. There's a, there's a passage here that's just fascinating. So Second Peter 1, verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now you and I know what he's, he's referring to there. Peter is referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. And what verse 16 describes it as is the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and they were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, the reason I go to this passage is this. When you think about the Mount of Transfiguration, 
that was such a rare, unique event that not even all the 12 were there. There were just three of them, right? Peter, James, and John. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they see the Lord in his majesty. They see him in his kingdom glory. There's very few experiences in the history of mankind that, that are anything like this, right? Where someone literally sees Jesus Christ in his kingdom glory. It's described there as eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, notice what Peter then says in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. What he just said, he gave you three verses about, I literally witnessed the majesty of Jesus Christ, but the written word is better. And the reason why is, you know what happens with anything you experience? Well, sometimes you forget it. Mm. Sometimes you misperceive it, right? I mean, we know that and, and, you know, memories fade. Well, the, the Word of God does not. My point in taking you to Second Peter 1 is this. As you're thinking through life, and you're thinking through, what decision should I make? I don't feel saved. I don't feel right with God. I feel God is mad at me. All, all the emotions that it's very natural for us to feel because we know our own shortcomings, right? We recognize our failures. And then we think, well, how could God love me knowing the things that I do? And He certainly knows them. Well, the answer is that our feelings are not what determines truth, nor do our experiences determine truth. The heart's deceitful above all things. Peter said we have a more sure word of prophecy. And so what I would encourage you to do is this. As you're thinking about the issue of am I saved or am I not, don't do it on the basis of emotion. Do it on the basis of a verse. And if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have faith in his blood, you are saved, period, irrespective of emotion, irrespective of experience, irrespective of, frankly, anything else, because God's word says it. And we, honestly, we'd all be better if we just operated by God's word and we, 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 didn't, we focused a lot less on emotion and experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does God say? Yeah. Yeah, and that's good to know because, you know, people, you know, just like in the last question you were saying, you know, how easy it is um, you really just to accept that gift of grace. Um, and, you know, um, you don't have to have a specific emotion uh, when that happens. Um, yeah, just, so, you know, just find out what God says yeah. about you yeah. as a believer. You're gonna, so. That's right. All right, so that's that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that definitely helps put that in perspective as well. Yeah, yeah I have a question um, that came in. Uh, what's the big deal about Paul? Uh, like, why do we follow Paul's teachings? Uh, so what's the big deal about Paul instead of Peter or whatever? Why Paul? Yeah, uh, someone really ought to create a, a program about that. That'd be a great name if they came up with something like White Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, I wish I'd thought of that. Yeah. But um, so look with me at Romans eleven thirteen. Now, one of the things that, that people do, and this is just common, is people will sometimes accuse you of things or they'll, they'll misrepresent your position. And so one of the things that people often say is, well, if you rightly divide the word, then you worship Paul and you make too much of Paul and you follow Paul instead of following the Lord and, you know, all the sort of things people say. Well, let's look at what scripture says. So Romans 11 verse 13, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. So that verse tells us that Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles. 
Now, the vast majority of your audience is probably Gentiles, so it makes sense for them to listen to the apostle of the Gentiles. And if you just think for a minute about what Scripture calls time past, so if you think about time, let's just say before the cross, Israel was God's chosen people. Gentiles were without hope, according to Ephesians 2.11. And what God did in the middle of the book of Acts is he saved Paul and he gave him a message where Jew and Gentile have equal opportunity to be saved. In other words, the gospel is the same for them. Romans 10.12 says there is no difference between Jew and Greek. That is fundamentally a change from how things used to be. When people, you know, question, well, why do you make so much of Paul? It's for the very basic reason that the Bible makes so much of Paul. I mean, let let me give you this example. When I was, when I was first saved, the, the, the people that taught me and they were, they were, they were trying to help me out, obviously. They, I came to understand that the Bible was God's love letters to man. And so, in other words, it's all to me, and it's all about me, and I can just open anywhere, and it's all for me. Mm-hmm. Well, th- th- it doesn't really work that way. All of the Bible is true. You can learn from every verse of the Bible, but not all of the Bible is intended for you to obey, right? God told Noah to build an ark. He didn't tell us. God told Moses to offer animal sacrifices. He didn't tell us to do that. We live in a very different time. And so it's, it's necessary to understand the portion of the Bible that is directly applicable today. To give you the simple example, so in a couple months, people are going to have to start filing their income taxes. Well, what would happen if you said, you know, hey, IRS, I, I looked at this and, and the, the 2017 tax rates, they really spoke to me. And I like those so much more. And so I just feel led to file my tax return according to the 2017 rates, which, by the way, were a lot lower. And I just like them a lot more. Well, the IRS would say, you know, cut it out. You know, you can't play games like that. You, you know good and well that you need to go by the most current revelation. Well, no, the IRS <laughs> rules are not revelation. Excuse me. You need to go by the most current regulation. Uh, you, you can't just pick and choose what you like, you have to go by the part that is applicable during the time in which you live. And for us, that's the Apostle Paul. And so, um, it's, it's just critical that, that we go by that. Um, if you would, look with me at 1 Corinthians 14. I want to show you another verse that I think is helpful, because what will happen is people will say, well, you worship Paul. Well, look what 1 Corinthians 14, 7 says. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So Paul wasn't just going around preaching his opinions. What Paul wrote were the commandments of the Lord. So if you disobey Paul, what are you disobeying? The commandments of the Lord. So think of a simple example. Let's say that you're in uh, Old Testament Israel and you're part of Israel. And Moses comes down from the mountain, and he's got the Ten Commandments, and he's got the other commandments of the law. What would have happened if you said, well, I'm not going to follow Moses. Moses is a man. I'm going to follow God. Well, it would have been a dumb thing to say because Moses just went up on the mountain. Mm -hmm. God met with him. He gave him that information to give to mankind. So when someone says, I'm not listening to Moses, what they are essentially saying is, I'm not listening to God because Moses was God's spokesman. So to, so to ignore Moses 
was to ignore God. Now, that doesn't mean Moses is sinless. It doesn't mean Moses is perfect, but it means Moses was the person that was given the revelation. So when someone says, I'm going to ignore Moses, and they live during that time, they're rebelling against God's authority. Well, guess what's true for us? If what Paul wrote is the commandments of the Lord, when someone fails to obeys, obey Paul's instruction, they're disobeying the Lord. That, that, there's, there's no other way around it. Look with me at Galatians 2, verse 7, if you would. Galatians 2, verse 7. Now, we talked about the fact that in time past, God's revelation was to Israel, and Israel was God's chosen nation. But notice what Galatians 2, 7 tells us. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. So what happens in Acts 15, when there is a meeting in Jerusalem, Peter and the 12 apostles that were selected during the Lord's earthly ministry or in early Acts, they have a meeting with Paul, and they have an agreement, and they recognize that Paul had a different gospel. He had the gospel of the uncircumcision, and they had the gospel of the circumcision, and, and all of the parties reached an agreement. Paul would go to the Gentiles. He would go to the heathen with the gospel that he had. Now, what happens today during the time in which we live is Paul is our apostle today for everyone that is on the earth today, and it's his gospel that saves us. That's why we have to emphasize Paul. Okay. Well, that, then that definitely answers that um, and, you know, helps us to know why, you know, we, we are focused on that. And even here with, you know, our ministry um, and our program, Why Paul? Uh, that's why we're, you know, focusing on that. So those scriptures really helped out. Uh, so we do have more questions for you, David. So you better take a sip of water there. Uh, we have more when we come back. Uh, so we'll um, see everybody here and just right after break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to the radio program, Why Paul? If you'd like to participate in today's program, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Michael R. Mix at 14thStreetMinistries.com. Now, back to Why Paul? And we're, we're back, and uh, again, we thank um, all of our listeners, and definitely our listeners that joined us today on our Facebook Live to join us. Mm-hmm. I am your host, Michelle Mix. I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. And I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And we have our special guest, David Reed, with us from the Columbus Bible Church. Uh, and looks like we have a lot of your um, uh, listeners as well here in our uh, Facebook uh, group, so welcome, everybody. Good. And, and David, I think we were going to go back to that question that we were just talking about. Uh, yeah, why, why Paul? Something, yeah, yeah, to add to that. What about Paul? Yeah. Why Paul? Thank you. Um, if we could, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Okay. And um, one of the things that, um, there are some things that you have to understand in the Bible, it seems to me, or the Bible just won't make any sense. And so let me give you a simple example while you're getting Ephesians 3. Genesis 1 provides for a vegetarian diet. Genesis 9 says you can eat all things. Leviticus 11 says there's clean and unclean animals. And then Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, every creature of God is good. Now, the fact of the matter is the Bible says different things in different places. It just does. You, you, you can't reconcile Leviticus 11 with 1 Timothy, you know, there are clean and unclean animals with 1 Timothy 4, mm-hmm. every creature of God is good. Both are true because they're written to different people at different times, but it would be folly. It would, you, you couldn't apply those verses to the same person at the same time. If you did that, it would be a contradiction. Well, the reason I want to want to go to Ephesians 3 is this. If you don't understand Ephesians 3, I don't think you'll understand Paul's ministry, and, and I really don't think you'll understand what God's doing today. So let's spend a little time in Ephesians 3. Look at verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. So some people will say, well, dispensationalism wasn't even in existence. It wasn't invented until the 1800s. And of course, you see the word dispensation in the King James Bible in Ephesians 3.2 in 1611. And of course, it's the translation of a Greek word. So in other words, dispensations have always been there. It's, it's not something that men invented. Unfortunately, it's something that people have ignored, but they were, they mm-hmm. were always there. So notice what it then says, the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me, that's Paul, to you word. Paul is very much like Moses. God gave him some information and he wasn't supposed to put it in a safe deposit box and store it under lock and key. It was given to him to distribute to mankind. 
Now notice verse three, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. So God specifically gave this information to him. He didn't learn it from other men. It was revealed. Now look at verse five, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. What you've probably been taught, and, and I certainly believe this at one point, was in the New Testament, it all says the same thing. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the same thing as Paul's epistles, or the same thing as Hebrews to Revelation, and they all say the same thing. That's what I thought. That's what's commonly taught. Most people believe that. But you can't really read those verses, and you can't really read those books and reach that conclusion. And the reason why is notice what verse 5 says which in other ages was not made known. Well, if it wasn't made known, and if Paul got it by revelation, you can't say that people before him knew it. I mean, to state the obvious, if there were already people on the earth that knew it, there didn't have to be revelation. He could just get it from them. I'll give you an example. If you want to say that Peter and Paul preached the exact same gospel, that there was no difference between them, why did Paul need revelation from the Lord to preach that gospel? I mean, he knew the kingdom gospel. He, he was persecuting the kingdom church because of what they believed. He was very familiar with what they believed. He thought it was error, and that's why he was doing what he was doing. But Paul needed revelation because God gave him some information that in other ages was not made known. That's exactly what verse 5 says. Now, notice verse 6 that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, we're going to stay in Ephesians 3. We're going to come back here. But if you would, look with me at Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, verse 22 tells us this is a woman of Canaan who is seeking help from the Lord. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He thinks that he's only sent to Israel, and obviously he knows what he's talking about. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now notice verse 26, but he answered and said, it is not meat, it's not fitting, it's not proper, to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. What he really just said there was that the woman of Canaan that came to him for help was a Gentile dog, right? He would be taking the food that belongs to the children and giving it to dogs. Verse 27, and she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She says, in effect, you're right, Lord, I'm not part of Israel. I'm not part of the chosen people. But as a Gentile dog, I can be blessed through Israel. I can eat mm -hmm. their crumbs. I can eat their leftovers. That's really what she's saying. Verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, when the, when the Lord answered her not a word in verse 24, he wasn't being cruel. He wasn't uncaring. He obviously cared about her. 
But what he was not going to do is he was not going to violate the principles of God's word. And at that time, there was a difference between Jew and Gentile. The Jews were God's chosen people, and the Gentiles were Gentile dogs. They were without hope. But when she acknowledges, when she says to him, Lord, I understand you can't bless me directly, but I can be blessed through Israel, done. Yeah, good point. She, she has operated in faith. She's come to him according to the scriptures, and he says, it's done. But now think, compare that with Ephesians 3. In Ephesians 3, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Well, the Gentile woman in Matthew 15 was not a fellow heir. When the Lord to her face says, you're a dog, it's not a fellow heir, right? I mean, a lot of family pets people love, but there's a difference between the dogs and the children. There just is. Well, Ephesians 3, 6 is new information. You can't find that anywhere, Genesis to Malachi. You can't find that in the book of Matthew. You can't find that in Mark or Luke or John, and you can't find it in early Acts because it was a a mystery. It was a secret that was hidden until God gave it to Paul. Verse 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So now Ephesians 3.8, let's compare that to Matthew 10. Let's go to Matthew 10 first, and then we may go to Romans. But let's go to Matthew chapter 10. In, in Matthew chapter 10, the Lord is going to send the 12 out, and he's going to give them a mission. And I want you to notice what it is. Matthew 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So when he sends out the 12, he specifically says, Don't go to the Gentiles. And the reason why he says that, as we've seen earlier in Matthew 15, the Gentiles are dogs, right? So he's not supposed to do that. Well, Paul just said in Ephesians 3.8 that he preached among the Gentiles. Peter's ministry that he's given in Matthew 10 and the ministry that Paul's given cannot be the same. Look with me at Romans 11. Romans chapter 11. Romans 11 and verse 13. What Paul says in Romans 11.13 is that, for I speak to you Gentiles. The mere act of speaking to Gentiles was something that God told Peter not to do. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. When it says there, I am the apostle of the Gentiles, an apostle is one who is sent. In Matthew 10, when the 12 were sent out, They were specifically sent not to the Gentiles. They were sent to Israel. Yet Paul says in Romans 11 that he's the apostle of Gentiles. He was sent to Gentiles. That tells you that, see, sometimes here's what people say. Paul is just like the 12. He just comes along later, right? He was a little stubborn. He was a little slow to get the the, the understanding of what he needed. But he then did the same thing. That's not true. He did something completely different. He had a different ministry. He was sent to different people. It's not the same. Now, in Ephesians 3.8, I want you to notice one other thing that's absolutely fascinating. What it says that Paul should preach among the Gentiles is the unsearchable riches of Christ. Get with me John 5. John chapter 5. So, the particular content of what Paul was to preach was unsearchable. In other words, not searchable. 
Look at John 5, verse 39. And in John 5, the Lord is dealing with some unbelievers during his earthly ministry. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. What he's saying there is, he's dealing with people that don't believe what he's telling them, but they claim to believe the Old Testament. So what he says to them is, if you really believe the Old Testament, search it out, because who does it testify of? Me. In other words, it tells you mm-hmm. the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. He'll be from the tribe of Judah. Uh, he'll be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. You can go through all the Old Testament prophecies. What the Lord does in John 5, he says, look, you're not believing what I'm saying. Search the scriptures because the scriptures will tell you exactly who I am. In Ephesians 3.8, Paul said that the riches he preached were un searchable. You can't find them anywhere in the prophetic scriptures because in other ages they were not made known. Finally, get with me verse 9. So Ephesians 3, 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So what we've seen in Ephesians 3 is that the dispensation of grace, of the grace of God was given to Paul. It was given by revelation. It was a mystery. In other ages, it was not made known. It was unsearchable, and it was from the beginning of the world hitting God. Well, you can't then say that Paul's preaching the exact same thing as Peter. He's just not. It, it was more recent revelation. It was newer. Mm-hmm. Now, my point in telling you all this is here's, here's, here's simply the fact. If you look at the New Testament and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read Hebrews to Revelation, and you say, these say the exact same thing Paul does, you're going to put a square peg in a round hole. You're going to take two things that God has said are different, and you're going to have to squish them together into a big mess. But if instead what you do is you rightly divide the word of truth, you say, Peter and Paul, it's okay for them to have different messages. Scripture says that. It's okay for them to have different audiences because they were sent to different people at different times. Then what you can come to the realization of is Paul is our apostle for today by the commandment of the Lord. We can follow him, and we don't have to apologize for that because that's who God chose to be the revealer of the dispensation of grace. And and that's why, frankly, the name of your program is so great. Why Paul is the question people need to ask. You need to know who your apostle is today, and it's the Apostle Paul. You're absolutely right. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for that information and uh, those scriptures. Um, let's see, uh, Michelle, um, next week's program, uh, can we, uh, is it possible to finish the rest of these questions and answers next week? Is that yeah, because definitely we have we have more questions for you, and we appreciate you um, answering these questions uh, for us. Um, so, yeah, we definitely want to, um, you know, go into that. And we do have, um, you know, some questions that are on our Facebook um, page as well. Uh, so if we can look at those, you know, during the week, um, you know, and definitely, uh, David, we appreciate you being here. Uh, you're definitely welcome back. Mm-hmm. Um, thank, and you. thank you. Do you think you could our- come back next week? I'd love to. Let, let me check my schedule to confirm, but I'd, I'd love to. And I, I really okay. do appreciate it. Sorry if I'm a little long-winded. No, that's, but, um, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Answers is, the questions. Yeah. All right. And so we'll see everybody back here to continue with these questions uh, next week. Now, 
You have been listening to Why Paul. Visit us on the web at 14thStreetMinistries.com. And please join Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more thoughts and wisdom. Also, be sure to tell everyone about our program. Yeah.